Good evening, Rabbi Say, Welcome back. It's a great privilege and uh, distinct honor to be together here. Uh, capping off another amazing week in such amazing company with the, with the wonderful Yidden over here of Summerton, everybody out there in Zoom space, of course, our cyber oilum, and everybody out there in WhatsApp land. And uh, it's been an amazing week, and what a way to end off such an amazing week with, with an amazing challenge and amazing food and drink over here. Yasha Kayach, Herschel, and everyone else who <coughs> stelled the, 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 the mashka. Everybody wants. Thank you so much. Um, it's amazing. Thank you. L'chaim. L'chaim Taivim L'shalom to Yeshuas, to Rufuas. It's a good to Besuris, always. Right. Amen, amen, amen. Um, and uh, I, I, all the, for all the Bar Mitzvah over here, as long as you get a note signed by all three of your parents, you guys can have as well. Um, but okay, two will suffice. Two will suffice. Um, so Parshas Emor, Parshas Emor. So I, I think like this. I think what we'll do is we'll move backwards in the parsha and we'll start with something that's in the second half of the parsha. That's a very topical topic, very very current in terms of the current events in, in the, on the Jewish calendar. And that's and that's Sfiras Oimer. Sfiras Oimer is in this week's parsha. We'll start with that and we'll try to work backwards, maybe to something in the beginning of the parsha. I want to start with that first because you know we're smacking in the little sphere. We're, we're just a little bit half the half past the halfway point. Last night was 28, so we're going from four weeks now to you know crossing the four weeks behind us, three weeks still ahead of us. And Shir uh, Saimer is 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 the uh, the name of the game. It's in this week's parsha. Emor is where the the mitzvah is really properly mentioned the first time we find it, and. Um, I want to examine a little more closely Sphira Sa'imer, the mitzvah of Sphira, and what it bridges, what it connects, and how it connects those two events. So let's see this together. We're in Perik Chav Gimel, Pasuk Tezvav, that's chapter 23, verse 15, of course, and the Pasuk says like this. count for yourselves. We learn from there that we all have to count. We all have a mitzvah to count, each and every one of us. Um, you start counting, keeping track of the days. The day after Shabbos, which really means what? The day after the first day of Pesach. That's what you mean, right? Shabbos means the first day of Pesach. Excellent. Excellent. The Torah says Shabbos, but it really means Pesach. So you start counting. The day after Pesach. This is the second day of Pesach. From the day that you bring the carbon ha'omer, this barley offering, count seven complete weeks. Until the day following the seventh, the 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 the, the completion of the seventh week, count fifty days. And on that day, which is Shavuos, the fiftieth day, you'll bring a new carbon to Hashem, new meaning. Grain that hasn't yet been brought in the base hamikdash. There was an iser chadash outside the base hamikdash. You can't eat new grain, i.e., grain that has sprouted since last year Pesach and hasn't seen the 16th of Nisan yet. You can't eat outside the base hamikdash. The base hamikdash as well. There was a prohibition. You can't bring karbanas meal offerings from the new grain until Shavuos. So the iser of chadash in the base hamikdash actually extended 49 days past the iser of chadash begulin, and this is the first time we bring a meal offering, a grain offering from the new grain, and that is on Shavuos. Okay, so we can't, these seven weeks, seven full weeks, to me, that leads us to the 50th day. 
Um, the Rishonim asks an interesting question over here. It says, Tisburu Chamisham Yoim, count 50 days. How many days do we really count? 49. The last night is 49, right? Never count 50. Nobody ever says, Hayem Chamisham Yoim. But the Torah says, not like that. The Torah says, Ami Marcha Shabbos, Ashviz, Tisburu Chamisham Yoim, count 50 days. What's the Torah saying? What's the Pesach saying? Nobody does that. We don't do that, right? We stop at 49. So we're trying to ask this question, because it's not going to be the main point of tonight's discussion, but once we're reading the Psukim, let's uh, speak at a couple of very interesting approaches. There's one approach, the Rishonim say this, these ideas already. The Rishonim say um, that this is an ad v'loy ad v'chlal, up until but not including, you know? In any language, you can have up until and including, inclusive or non-inclusive, right? The apartment is yours until Friday. What does it mean until Friday, right? Airbnb. I, I have it for Friday, I don't have it for Friday, right? Till 12. What, what happens is that at 12 or at 1, right? Till Friday. Till Friday. This expired, this offer is valid till Friday. What do you, nobody ever knows what that means. What, what happens on Friday, right? So is it or Is it up until and including or up until and not including? Is it inclusive or not inclusive? So the same thing exists in Lashon HaKash. We say add until, until means inclusive or not inclusive. So some Rishonim say it's not inclusive. Ad mimachas v'shabbos tisbruch hamishim and count up until fifty days, but don't count the fiftieth day. Ad v'loy ad v'chalal. It's not inclusive. Good, it's one that works. There's another approach. The rush. The rush says this. Get ready for this, Rabbi. You know what the rush says? The Torah says count hamishim count count up to day fifty, right? We only count forty nine days. How come the Torah says tisbruch hamishim yoyim? Zok the rush. The elegant rush. The Torah rounded up. The Rebbeinu Shalom ran it up from 49 to 50. He ran it up. It's a crazy idea. See, nobody, nobody's jaws are dropping over here. Everybody hear what I said? Aaronson's holding on to his jaw. The Torah ran it up. The Torah ran it up from 49 to 50. It really is 49 days. The Torah says 50 because 50 is a random number. It's not a crazy idea. It sounds crazy, right? But you do find elsewhere where the Torah talks in random numbers. Where, where's another, where's a famous example where the Torah says a random number? We know it's not really that number. The Torah says a, a number. Malchus, Who knows? Malchus. Very good. Excellent. The Torah was on the money. What? And I was Malchus. Well, that's not the Torah. The Torah doesn't say I was Malchus. That's Chazal, so that's not a good riot. But, but Malchus is a very good riot. What does the Torah say? How many lashes do you give a Jew when he eats? Chazer? 40. 40. 40. The Torah says 40. But we know that it's really 39. So you see the Torah rands up sometimes, right? What? Oh, so I was going to speak this. I was I was debating if I was going to speak this ad. I don't know if Erhatir Gazak, Erhatir Megal given their side. It doesn't say that Mufurish, but the. I, 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 I don't know where when Elio was Megal this to you, but uh, but uh, it, it, it's interesting. One, there's one more. Okay, the, what Rabbi Maskwitz is making trouble there in the back. So I'll speak this out. I was I was deliberating, debating whether to speak this, but I'll speak it out. It's interesting that you know there's a few places in the Torah where the Torah camps the Shvatim. Can't Klai Yisrael, when we leave Egypt, we have 603,550. Uh, by Mayav, we're 601,000 and change. And the Torah gives you always the, like the, the, the Mispar HaKoylo, like the grand total of Klai Yisrael, and the Torah also gives you the Shevet total, right? So if you notice, the Shevet totals and Klai Yisrael's totals, very interesting, no, 603,550. That's how many Jews there were, right? Not 553. Not 559, not 556 and a half, 550. You look at the Sheva totals, Sheva done is 72,000 Jews. Sheva Naftali is 63,500. When they had to have 500, they're always round numbers to the thousands, to the thousands. 
Taka? Taka? Taka Azoi? Klai Yisrael had, had, um, had, had, had the Shvatim were ran numbers to the thousands, to the five hundreds, to the thousands? Could be. Could, we don't have any proof otherwise. Rabbi Maskowitz seems to feel, seems to feel the, that that alone is a Hechacha. I, I, I don't know. Again, I don't know who is Megala the side. But Said Hashem Liyareyev, that's the Pshat, yeah, Said Hashem Liyareyev. There are, I think it's the Ramban, I believe the Ramban says, and it's not the Ramban, it's someone else, says that, no, these numbers are exact, they're precise, and there were, in Sheva Dun, there were only 72,000 people exactly, and in Naphtali there were 63,000 people exactly, in Menasha there were, there were, there were 25,500 exactly. Why? Because it was all Hashgach, all the Yidin that were born in the Midbar was all part of the, the plan. You needed a certain amount of Neshamas to stand at Harsinai, a certain amount of Neshamas to walk out of Mitzrayim, a certain amount of Neshamas to go into Eretz and Hashem orchestrated the whole thing. Hashem knows how many Neshamas we need to stand at Harsinai, Hashem knows how many Neshamas we need to go into to, to Eretz Yisrael. So the whole thing was, was Nizgalgum and Hashemayim. Yeah, we, it doesn't work that... From that point on, it doesn't work anymore because you don't have Hashgacha Pratas determining the exact number of Klal right? But but back then, when you needed a precise number of Yidin, Hashem was Messiah of all things. So there are Rishonim that say this, but the Baal Torah Tamima, the Baal Torah Tamima, Rebarach Halevi Epstein, he writes in in uh, one of his works, not in the Torah Tamima. I remember seeing this years and years and years and years ago. He writes, he has a safer called Tosefus Bracha. I think it's a hard safer to find. You can probably find it in Capital Farm. Um, he writes over there that the Torah rounded up. He, he does write this. He is Mechavan to Rabbi Moskowitz. He says that it must be that the Torah rounds up when the Torah can't the Shvatim because he says it's impossible that 12 tribes, each of those tribes had an even amount of, of most of them are to the thousands, a couple of them are to the 500s. He says, not Shaykh, not Shaykh. That, that 12 tribes each had a, a number that was so precise. He says, it must be the Torah rounded up, the Torah rounded in. And he does cite as proof what we just mentioned now. He cites the 40 Malkus, 39 getting rounded up to 40. He cites the rush that says, I believe he brings the rush down also, that says that 49 is rounded up to 50. He says, the Torah, I'm all, I'm all the Torah, taka retzachazoi. the Torah will sometimes round up numbers. He wants to say the same thing by the Shvatim, but we digress. Excuse me, let's return to Sphere Saimer. There's other uh, understandings as to how, what it means that the Torah tells you to count 50 days. Those are two basic ones. It means non-inclusive, or it means uh, we're ending up from 40 to 50. I, I speak that out just to know that there is such a concept. The Rishonim do say this. It's not a crazy thing to say. It's not Kfiro. It's not Apikarsis. Um, the Rishonim say this. So sometimes the Torah will end up, and, and the Moran Marcus is, is a perfect example to this. But anyway, anyway, let's get back to Sphere Saimer. So it's clear that the Torah Sphere Saimer is a connective tissue. It's clean the Torah itself. Sphere Sa'imer is connecting um, bridges the period of time between Pesach and Shavuos. We have Pesach when we leave Mitzrayim. We bring the carbon on the second day. We begin canting the Imer. And then, and then we, we have Shavuos. But what I want to focus on is the following. It's very interesting. If we pay very careful attention to this week's parasha. One of the most fundamental Yamim Toivim, one of the most basic holidays that we have on the Jewish calendar is anomalous, is, is weird, is strange in how it is set up. What do I mean? I mean we, only, we have a handful of Yamim Toivim in the calendar. They're all in, in Emor. And that's why we have Sphere Saimra over here. And in general, a Yamtiv gets what? 
A yamtiv gets, gets what? A yamtiv, when, what? A date. A date. Bingo. Bingo. A yamtiv gets a date. Something that's important gets a date. Um, generally speaking, right? Um, something that's very important gets a second date. It's very, very, very important. It might even get a third date. But important things get dates, correct? Your birthday, nobody forgets when their birthday is. After 120, you, you, you have to commemorate Rachman Lutzlana yard site. Okay, these are important things that get dates. Pesach is a very important event. It gets a date. Pesach happens on the 15th of Nisan. Sukkah is a very important event in Jewish history. It gets a date, the 15th of Tishrei. Rosh Hashanah, the 1st of Tishrei. Yom Kippur, the 10th of Tishrei. Lag Ba'omer. 18th of ER, the 33rd day of the Omer, very important events. When is Shavuos? Shavuos doesn't have a date. It doesn't have a date. You know what you want to know when Shavuos is? It's a whole mathematical formula. When is Shavuos? It's a formula that's in the Vizik Parsha. Calculate when Pesach is, take the second day of Pesach, add 49 days, and that's when Shavuos is. Bingo, that, that, that is Shavuos. Very modern. It's strange that Shavuos doesn't have a date, and it, it, it doesn't. And not only that, it can fluctuate and, 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 and vary, not nowadays, but back in the times of the Beis HaMikdash, when the length of the month was determined by when the witnesses showed up to the Sanhedrin, you know, if Nisan was, was 29 days instead of 30, so Shavuos would be, let's say, a day later in the, in, 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 in the month. If it was, if, if Eor was a day longer, it would be a day earlier in, in Sivan. The date of Sivan, Shavuos is going to be in Sivan for sure. There's no way around that. But it might be the 5th, it might be the 6th, it might be the 7th. It might be the, 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 the it, can, it, can, it can fluctuate between a whole range of dates. Nowadays it doesn't anymore because our calendar has been fixed, but it could theoretically fluctuate. Shavuos doesn't have a date. Haloy Daverhu. Very strange, very odd. Like, good, let the Torah give me the Mitzvah Sirius Eimer. Make Sirius Eimer as a Mitzvah. We want to count Eimer, count Eimer. And then make a date for Shavuos. Make a date for Shavuos. Very, very unusual. And something that definitely has to command our attention. That This idea that, that um, Shavuos is, is set according to some interesting formula. A whole mathematical formula. And it doesn't get its own date. Even we, we mentioned earlier this week in the Sunday morning breakfast and learn program, there are how far does this go in halacha? The uh, the Lubavitcher um, Rebbe held in halacha that um, two yidden in the same country could keep shuas on two different days. We mentioned this, right? Uh, uh, if you if you abuse the international dateline, <coughs> if you abuse the international dateline, theoretically speaking, you may end up with a different day of shuas. Than the guy sitting next to you in shul. If let's say in the middle of the Omer, yes, that's right. Okay, processed it. If in the middle of the Omer you take a flight, let's say to China, everybody agrees that China is on the other side of the dateline. Everybody agrees, right? So let's say I take a supersonic flight, and in one day I, I manage to go. Let's say, let's say Moshe Shabbos. I leave here after I can't uh, the Omer. I'm going to can't. This coming, I'm going to count whatever it is, this coming uh, Maitre Shabbos day 31 or whatever. I'm going to count 31. Maitre Shabbos, I land and I hop on a plane, land in China Sunday morning. In China, Sunday morning is day 32. They all count to 32 the night before. Right? They count to day 32. So for me, it's 31. For everyone else, 32. The, the, the last trip happens to believe that that um, I keep my own personal count because Shavuos is dependent on the, on the, on the Oymer count. 
I'm going to make Shavuos one day later than everybody else if I hang out in China until the rest, till the end of, of, of the year. I'm going to make Shavuos a day later. In Halakha, we don't really do that, but that's how far this, this anomaly goes that you see that there's something strange is going on over here. Shavuos, it doesn't get a date on the calendar. If it got a date, it would be universal. Everybody, you know, in Chutzar, keeps on this day, in Erzol, you keep one day, everywhere else, you keep two days. There wouldn't be any way to play around with this, yet it doesn't get a date on the calendar. So what's going on over here? So it's like this, a very fascinating idea and a beautiful insight into not just what Shavuos is, but the relationship between Shavuos and Pesach, what the relationship between Shavuos and Pesach is. So let, let's focus in once again on the, on the question. The question is, why did the Torah not give Shavuos a date and instead make the, the Shavuos' um, location on the calendar dependent on a formula? Well, what is that formula? That formula is based on Pesach. Figure out when Pesach is, calculate Pesach, take the second day of Pesach, Add 49 days, the 50th day will be Shavuos. And when we take a step backwards and we look at that like in Lambdas, forget about the math, forget about the Cheshvan, let's look at it in Lambdas. What, what, what comes out of that? What comes out of that is an interesting idea, which is, Shavuos doesn't have a date on the calendar. Shavuos is instead, it wouldn't be right maybe to say it's dependent on the formula as much as it's correct to say Shavuos is dependent on Pesach. Shavuos is dependent on Pesach. If you want to know when Shavuos is, you have to determine when Pesach is. If I don't know when Pesach is, I'm not going to know when Shavuos is. Shavuos is dependent on Pesach, is determined by Pesach. Figure out when Pesach is, take the second day, plus 49, boom, that is Shavuos. So the Torah is showing us something interesting. That Shavuos is dependent on Pesach. And taking that further, that shows us that Shavuos and Pesach are really intertwined. Shavuos is a product of Pesach. Shavuos is a resultant, a, res, a resultant outcome of Pesach, and it necessarily is the case, because without a Pesach, there isn't Shavuos. If I don't have Pesach on the calendar, I don't have Shavuos on the calendar. And taking that to its final step, what the Torah is showing us is that Pesach is not really over until we get to Shavuos. The ultimate conclusion of Pesach is Shavuos. This is why Pesach, this is why Shavuos doesn't get its own date on the calendar. It doesn't get a date on the calendar because it's not a separate Yom Tov. Not a separate Yom Tov. It is the conclusion of Shavuos to the degree that if you want to know the degree of conclusion of Pesach, the degree that if you want to know when Shavuos is, you have to know when Pesach is. There's no way to figure out to determine when Shavuos is without knowing when Pesach is. Pesach is not really over until I get to Shavuos. Shavuos is dependent on Pesach. And the conclusion of Pesach. And what does that show us? What it Pesach is Pesach and Shuz is Shuz. Pesach is Manchei Rusenu, the time of our freedom. And Shuz is Man Man Tarzenu, the time of uh, when we got the Torah. What is that supposed to mean? That, 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 that Pesach is not really over until I get to Shuz and Shuz is dependent on Pesach and the two are intertwined. What does that mean? Each one is its own Yamta with, with its own Nusuch, its own Kiddush, Shon Shmon Esrei. What it means like this, Rabbi Yisrael, yes, Pesach is Manchei Rusenu, the time of our freedom. And Shavuos is man matan Torah saying at the time we got the Torah. But we're not really free until we get the Torah. Cheiru Seinu is not really over. Pesach is when we're freed from Egypt. But we're not really free until we make it to Har Sinai, until we make it to Kabbalah's Torah. That's when we're really done with Cheiru Seinu. That's when we're really free men. And let's explore that idea. 
the freedom of Pesach, the freedom of the Exodus, was not an existential freedom. Was not a, a freedom in 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 uh, in, in independence in ter- from the authority of Egypt, from the autonomy of Egypt. The cheirus of leaving Mitzrayim is transformative. Is that we became different people. We went from servants of Paro to servants of, of Hakadosh Baruch Hu, but that alone is still not enough. The freedom. Is not merely if it would just be going by going from servants of Paro and we replace it with servants of God, we're still not truly free people. We're 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 we're, we're, we're not celebrating freedom really, because we as of yet don't have any purpose. We don't have any purpose. And what's the point of freedom if there's no purpose? What are you going to do with that freedom? Where are you applying that freedom towards? What's that freedom all about? The freedom has to go somewhere. I have to do something with that freedom. If I don't do anything with that freedom, I may have switched bosses, I may have switched my allegiance um, from being aligned with Paros, now aligned with God, but if I have no purpose, I can't really be called a free man. A free man is the contrary, not the person who is so free he has no one to listen to. So free, he has no one to listen to but himself. That's the epitome, excuse me, of slavery. Because when we have no one to listen to but ourselves, we're going to listen to ourselves. We're going to listen to ourselves. That's the ultimate slavery. It's a very deep <coughs> concept. What? Because when you, the only one that you have to, you have no one to listen to but yourself. What are you listening to? Yourself. And what is yourself telling you to do? Dumb things, bad things, things that are going to get you in trouble. What? Exactly. Exactly. You're a slave to your desires. You're a slave to your desires. What? By that standard, you can say that we're slaves to our lives. Slaves to our lives? Well, we're human beings. An animal is a slave to its life. A human being has interests, has free will, the ability to choose. And when we have no one to listen to but us ourselves, there's no accountability. There's no accountability. We eat our, we eat, it's a doggy dog world. It's every man out for himself, every man to, for the, 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 um, the uh, pursuits of, uh, you know, when you come into Pennsylvania, you know what it says when you come into Pennsylvania? It says on the, on the Welcome to Pennsylvania sign, who knows what it says? Keystone State? No. Um, I forgot. Yeah. Who lives in Pennsylvania over here? <laughs> Who has ever traveled on the 95? Just welcome to Pennsylvania. Yeah, yeah but what says underneath that? It says, pursue your happiness. I'm not making this up. If I was making this up, I would make it more snazzy. Much more snazzy. Kind of schwach. But that, pursue your happiness. So in America, we have freedoms, right? The freedom of, of um, freedom of liberty. Is that one of them? No, it doesn't make any sense, right? Um, nice. Yeah, uh, we we uh, we we um, uh, have the Bill of Rights, so we have the no rights. We have no <laughs> rights. Yeah. We're the ones that don't have any rights, right? Anyway, so there's the um, the the um, we we have the what's the nusach? Something about the right to happiness. Pursuit, uh, life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you. Thank you very much. And this is from a Canadian. Puts us all to shame. Puts us all to shame. 
Yeah. They started in Sayyatah. So. Okay. Um, the pursuit of happiness. Rabbi Yisai, when we are not accountable to anyone, we're going to pursue happiness till it destroys us. We're going to pursue our desires. We're going to pursue our, pursue our whims, pursue our fancies, as Rabbi Moskowitz said, pursue our, our Yetzir Hara. When we have no one to be accountable to, we are the most enslaved people. We are slaves to our habits, to our whims, to our desires, and they'll yank and pull us everywhere. The greatest, the, the greatest freedom, and the, the most free person is the one who is freed from himself, who is freed from himself, who is not enslaved to himself, not enslaved to his own desires and whims, and they don't pull, pull them everywhere. That's the greatest, it's counterintuitive, but it, it's, it's, it's paradoxical, but it makes perfect sense. The greatest freedom is the person who's not enslaved to himself. He's not enslaved to himself. And, and who is that? That is the Jew that stands by Harsinai and says, Nasev and Nishma. Chazal spelled this out so succinctly, the famous statement, Ein ben Chayrin Elamisha Chazal say, the greatest freedom, the greatest free person is the one who is preoccupied with Torah study. Torah gives us a number of things. It gives us guidance, it gives us wisdom, it gives us um, self-awareness, it gives us the Torah standards, it, 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 and, and it gives us accountability. Accountability to a higher authority, it gives us accountability to the best authority, and it gives us the ultimate system of values and truths, and the ultimate accountability to the source of the ultimate values and truths. This is Torah. And this is the ultimate chayrus. When we don't have that, we don't have a system of truths and values, we are stuck in chaos, we're stuck in a place of, of the ultimate bondage, the ultimate slavery. We're enslaved to a system where there is no accountability. We're enslaved to ourselves. So, zooming back in again to Pesach and Shavu, it's, it's so clear that yes, Pesach is man chayrusenu, we leave Egypt, we're free, that's only the beginning of a very long process. It's the beginning of freedom, but freedom doesn't end with Pesach, it just begins with Pesach. Freedom ends with Nasev and Nishma. Freedom ends with Harsinai. Freedom ends with us standing Harsinai and accepting of our own volition HaKadosh Baruch Hu's system, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's standards, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's values and truths, and accountability to the Rebbein Nishalelem. That's what goes on with Nasev and Nishma. Nasev, we will perform, we'll sit and learn Torah. The Nishma, everybody wants to know why do we need both? What's Nasa and Nishma? And what's the Nasa before the Nishma? So there's a beautiful Pshat. There's many, many, so much Torah said over here, but there's a beautiful Pshat. Nasa shows that what? We love Torah, we're going to learn Torah, we're going to be busy with Torah, absorbing all these truths. The Nishma, but ultimately, we accept you as an authority. And we're going to be accountable to you. We love the truths of Torah, we love the beauty of Torah. And you know what? We accept you as, as, as the supreme leader, as the boss. As opposed to, oh, this stuff is so beauty, it's so amazing, I can't get enough of it, but you know, in practice, that's a different thing. In my own life, that's something else. That's a milsa achrita, in my own life. No, that's nasaf and nishma. The beauty of Judaism immediately translates into action, immediately translates into practice. And when it doesn't, we're right, you're not free people. We are not free. And as much as a person talks himself into believing, I love the Torah, so stimulating, it's so intellectually... Um, delightful, if there's no practice, it's not put into practice, he's still not a free person. Because in practice, he's still doing what his desires are commanding him to do. 
against the wishes of the Torah. That's only the Nasa with that the Nishma. I love this stuff. I love it. Give me as much. Give me more and more and more. Practice what I'm gonna. <laughs> that's something else. Why is that something else? Because you're not really a free person. You're a slave to yourself. You're a slave to yourself. And I'm not talking about you don't have to be mamish off the derech, be a fry yid to be guilty of this nishma. We all do it, even even the from from a yidin. Us is from a yidin. Areas where we just you know this is too much for me. Right? I can't do this. I can't be troubled that. He asked me to do this, that, and the other thing. Everyone has their areas where you know they're just not interested in knowing. They're interested in, in being ignorant and not knowing too much. That's where we fall short of our nishma. That's where we fall short of putting things into practice. I'd rather not know too much about these halachas. You know, let's leave us say these halachas for later. Hilchas Shabbos, yeah. There's so much to Hilchas Kasha, so much to know over there. Let's say these halachas for later. The halachas about about talking during davening. Let's say those halachas for another time. So much to know. It's a lack in the nishma, a lack in the submitting to a higher authority. We're not really free people. We are being led, directed by by urges inside that are bubbling, bubbling forth. There's the nasa without the nishma, and we haven't really feared ice. We haven't concluded the the yitzias mitzrayim of of uh, Pesach. So this is what's going on over here. This is why Shavuos doesn't get a date. A powerful idea, a life-changing idea. Shuas doesn't get a date because it is the conclusion of Pesach. It's the oisvir of Pesach. It's it's the end result and the the determining factor in the freedom of Pesach. I'm only truly free when I make it to Sinai and I say Nasa and I say Nishma when I accept Hashem's truth, Hashem's values, Hashem's system of Torah, and I accept Hashem's authority. I accept the absolute authority of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and until I do that, I'm still a Vildechai, I'm still very wild, I'm still not a free person. I'm not a Ben Chayim. The Torah, the acceptance of Torah, the acceptance of Hashem as an authority, gives me that ability to, to um, be a truly, truly a free person. The objective realities, objective truth of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and the accountability to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Pesach gets a date, Shuas doesn't get a date because Pesach is concluded with Shuas and Shuas is predicated off Pesach. Klar, and we would be remiss if we would pass up this opportunity to, to bring all this home with a statement and observation on the sorry state of affairs in, in, in the world right now. And the world is so out of touch with this, out of tune with this idea. We're, we're, I, had, I had it sad to go backwards to the beginning of Emor, but uh, it's getting close to Myriv. So the, I'll select one idea, and it, we can make it relevant to this idea as well. Um, you know, this is something that's very much lost right now in the, in the, in, out there in the world. And um, the idea of what? That the greatest freedom is the freedom of accountability. The freedom of a system of absolutes that you're accountable to. And that's what Harsinai was. The gift of Harsinai is it gives us a framework a system of absolute truths, and it gives us accountability to those absolute truths. When you don't have that, you're a slave. The world is in a state of slavery now. As much as the world feels it's liberated, as much, much as the world feels it's emancipated and progressive, the world is a bunch of avodim, Rabbi Yisai. The Western world is gevarn and gansen avodim, avdos. They're slaves to what? Their own desires. They're slaves to their own desires, and society is enslaved to the slaves of their own desires. 
the world has come to a point when, when you don't have absolutes, and when you don't have a nasev and nishma, we don't have absolute truths and absolute standards and absolute ideals and accountability that, that any yo-yo, any yo-yo can get up and say, this is my truth, these are my feelings, and we can't dis- dis- disagree with him. We can't argue with him because to argue with someone and say, you're wrong, a guy gets up and says, I identify, you know, they had, they, they have, uh, let's say they have coming up, we know every year we have in Somerton, the Somerton County Challenge Competition, which Rabbi Aronson has won, he has a streak, past five years, past five years without fail. So they have, every, every, every county, so let's say they have the great eggplant bake-off. Eggplant quiche, okay? So, so, so you enter your eggplant in the eggplant quiche competition. I come forth, I want to enter myself. I'm going to enter myself in the competition. No, you want to enter your quiche? No, I identify as an eggplant. So I'd like to enter myself in the competition because I identify myself as an eggplant. Now you're all laughing, but this is going to be tomorrow's headlines. Because who's going to disagree with me? You're going to, you have the chutzpah to tell me that I'm not an eggplant? A chutzpah? I identify as an eggplant. I, I don't look so purple. I'm working on it. You know, I'm working on it. A chutzpah. I'm an eggplant. You have to respect that. When there's no absolutes, when there's no absolute values, no absolute truths, and no accountability, then you can't disagree with anyone. Every yo-yo is able to get up with his opinion. You can't disagree with him. And I'm a shubit to him. I'm, I'm a slave to him. And the entire society, Western civilization, has become slaves to slaves. Avadim to avadim. Not just avadim, nidriga avadim. We're nidriga avadim, we're avadim to avadim. Not we. They. They. The only way out is the nasa and nishma. Nasa, I accept a system of absolute truths, absolute values and ideals, and nishma, I'm accountable to it. I'm accountable. So without that, there's no way out. There's no way out of this morass. The moral morass that uh, that that uh, Western civilization, you know, you know, Baruch Hashem, there's people out there that are still are, are clear thinkers, and and uh, they should have a lot of chizik and, and, and a, a, a lot of success in, in trying to combat this. We, our job, as we know, is to focus on on, on, on you know, mischazik and Torah, and that's how we that's how we bring the world to its greater truth and harmony. But Rabbi Isai, you see what happens, how far that goes. When, when we lack the chairs. True freedom is when I'm free to see what it means to be a slave and free of, 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 of being enslaved to not only my whims, but to everybody's whims. The true freedom comes when, and again, the paradox of, of true freedom is true freedom comes when accepting Hashem's absolute system of truths allows me to have, be accountable to Hashem's absolute system of truths and allows me to escape being enslaved to myself and it allows society to escape being enslaved to Meshugai, to, 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 to Nidriga Avadim, and, and uh, this is uh, what's going on over here in Sirius Ha'imer, is what's going on, unfortunately, in the Velt. And it's our job to be Makabotar. When we say Nasev and Ishma, as we know, we have a Mesoiro, it's, it's not our job to go and start lobbying and being activists and try to fight things. It's not our job. We fight fire with fire. We fight the, the people who lack Nasa Nishma with our own Nasa Nishma. It's our job in the next weeks, and certainly on Shulis to be Makabal the Torah. But Ava, Becheshuk of when we're Makabal Torah, we say Nasa Nishma, we bring down Kanichas, which are Mashpia, which can turn the world around, that we should be Zaychataka, to do so. Chaim Tevishon, look at Shabbos.